My dear friends, it's a very sad day today in Ukraine and worldwide. And among these lines, um, I would like to share a link with you if you look at the description below. So one of the amazing ladies that I interviewed a while ago, uh, she was helping raising funds for a charity or an NGO that used to support creative projects during peace times. Well, now they are raising funds to help people find a shelter so that they can be safe. So if you can help in any way, you can do donate money on that link. Meanwhile, I'll leave two episodes. Mind you, they are older episodes with the two amazing Ukrainian ladies that I had the pleasure to meet. It's Natalia and Olya. So that we all have a reminder of how amazing Ukraine is. Hi, Olya, and welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Daniela. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. So, Olya, I'll start quickly by telling you how I first uh, got to know about you. Uh, basically, um, my boyfriend really, really loves cooking and I really, really love eating. <laughs> so he watches all sorts of programs um, about cooking and Every time I hear something about Moldova, I really, really get excited. Like, for example, they were showing some wines on James Martin's show and I got super excited and I shout and I scream and I'm just very, very excited. So one time on Saturday Kitchen, here you are presenting you as an Ukrainian chef. And I'm telling you, I got as excited when I heard, as if I heard about Moldova, I just started jumping up and down. And I don't usually pay too much attention, but when you're on Saturday Kitchen, I got so excited, so happy to see you there. And basically, I want to first tell you uh, that I'm really proud of you. Well done for everything you're doing. I'm super, super happy every time I see you or I read an interview about you. And second of all, I'm really happy, actually, the first time that we spoke, you told me about your Moldovan roots. So that's even more <laughs> good news for me. Thank so you I'd so like, much. I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about your Moldovan roots and if you've ever been to Moldova, actually. Uh, unfortunately, I still haven't been. In fact, it, it's a bit of a sore subject because we were uh, going to go this summer. We oh. were finally going Plans to... Plans got cancelled for everyone. Uh, yeah, everything got cancelled <laughs> this summer. Uh, it makes me very sad. And um, in terms of Moldovan roots, um, two of my uh, great-grandmothers, on uh, both on my mother's side and on my father's side, um, apparently were Moldovan. Um, and uh, a lot of my mom's family is actually from Bessarabia, which is, you know, borders with Moldova. Um, so quite a few dishes in our family, you know, uh, we would, I would ask like, oh, how come I haven't seen these kind of dishes in other houses and stuff? And then my mom would kind of bring up and say, well, you know, your great grandmother was Moldovan and some of these dishes have uh, passed on and uh, through my granny. So so yeah, this is the story, but I would really love to go um, there to find the village in Bessarabia, first of all, because we, we, we traveled all over Bessarabia for, you know, the summer kitchens to shoot it and for research, but I haven't made it to that village. It was actually called uh, Paris, <laughs> which means Paris. Oh. <laughs> which is quite a funny one. Um, it's been renamed uh, since since then, but yeah. 
so yeah, that's my story. I, I wish that I knew more de more detail, but I don't. Maybe I should go to my um, my mom's oldest brother uh, and and talk to him actually while I still can, and find out more. That will be amazing. I'll be really happy to read about uh, your travel whenever it will be possible for you to go back. And you should definitely try Moldovan wine if you didn't try already. Oh, yes, I have tried. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. And, oh. you know, my, my brother uh, traveled around Moldova and, uh, we, you know, we sat there and we poured over the photos and it's just incredible. Um, now, it, of course, now that I want to mention it, it flew out of my head. But what's the um, kind of a valley called... Uh, around oh gosh what is that place called it's so amazing the the landscape is just incredible is it our Heilweg? yes that's it yes yes yes, yes. it's just such a underrated and yet unknown you know place uh here in the uk and elsewhere in the world i to our listeners you know i highly recommend whenever you get a chance to travel again to maybe uh, do Ukraine and Moldova at the same time. They're so good. Yes, they should go and visit. Um, we should definitely promote that. And uh, I read somewhere as well, because you're saying about Paris is, is fine, it's funny because I read that um, uh, on the border with Ukraine with, and Moldova, there is a town in, in the Ukraine called uh, the Ukrainian Venice. Is that it? Uh, Where, oh, yes. Going? Uh, it's called Vilkove. Uh, oh. And it's um, and we shot there for the book actually for summer kitchens. Uh, it's they call it Ukrainian Venice, but um, it's it's actually really wild looking in the summer. So I would call it more like a Ukrainian Vietnam. <laughs> but everybody travels <laughs> boats, um, and it's colorful and it is just an incredible place. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of the 18th century uh, Russian old believers uh, fled the Russia, you know, central Russia, um, uh, because they were persecuted because they didn't want to change a few of the, you know, religious traditions. And they came to this place, uh, and which was a swamp, essentially. So with their own hands, pretty much, they dug out um, you know, all of the earth and, and put it all in a mound and created a town in the swamp, basically, and preserved their traditions, you know, very fiercely for many centuries. Uh, Ola, let's go a little bit um, in the past, in your past. And so I'll tell you, for example, because we come from similar kind of countries from the former Soviet Union, uh, I yeah. always had the desire to go out and out meaning to another country to explore explore new countries because we also had that time when we weren't allowed to travel we weren't allowed to go um, to other countries so I always had this dream since I was little to just go somewhere to other countries to explore new new food new, new cultures did you have this kind of feeling or how how come you basically ended up living in the UK and Italy and Cyprus. Did you have this feeling or was it something else that um, made you go? I, I, I did have this feeling. As you say, um, you know, we haven't been allowed to go. Um, well, when the Soviet Union broke up, I guess I was already, I was kind of, I was six years old. Um, and the first time I went abroad was when I was nine with my parents. I think we went to Italy. That was the first country that I visited. But there's always been this desire to be somewhere else that's for sure 
because you know it's been such a forbidden fruit and listening to my parents stories and to their youth when they were just not able to go anywhere you know it was um yeah you made you made the desire even bigger and um but it was my parents they moved us uh to cyprus when i was uh, 12 almost 13 uh one of the reasons actually was uh well my dad started doing pretty well with his sunflower oil business so we you know he had a little, a little bit of money and also i had this really horrendous uh asthma attacks since i was a baby really this small child and um and i felt good in cyprus we went there for hol- for a holiday and um i didn't have my attacks one summer Right. So then my dad was like, right, we're moving to <laughs> uh, oh. which was, you know, which was great. Um, uh, and I still, I still remember that feeling when, when we actually moved. And I remember uh, driving along the kind of the beach road and whatever, and there were loads of lights. And I still remember that feeling of being very much taken from, you know, rural Ukraine and into this different place and actually I haven't thought I haven't had this feeling for a very long time thank you for reminding me uh, <laughs> and it, it was you know it, it, it was fantastic uh, it was safe and it was warm my mom I think was in complete heaven because she hates cold weather so uh, <laughs> the winters mm-hmm. are extremely mild and I uh, went to an English school there and then uh, when it came to doing my exams you know, there was two choices, really. I either was going to go to America or the UK. And then I thought about it uh, and I thought I'm so attached to my family. It would be too far to go to America. So I decided to go to the UK and uh, yeah, and that's it. And then I applied with my results, you know, applied to a few universities and I got accepted to the University of Warwick and moved uh, to the UK when I was 18. And I lived in Coventry and Leamington and Warwick. Uh, and then um, I had a year abroad in Italy because I studied Italian language at uni for my BA. Mm-hmm. And I did, uh, then I did my master's in uh, in London and um, and I remained here. So, yeah, it's, it's been uh, just over 17 years now that I've been in the UK. And, um, yeah, I still, I, you know what, I still uh, pinch myself, even though I've lived out, out of Ukraine longer uh than i did in i still i still went back every year or or even twice a year to see my family to see my family my parents and my brother and his family and um so yeah so i was never i never kind of completely was detached from it but um but but yeah i've lived abroad longer than i did uh, back at home and it's this kind of distance that made me uh value and look at ukraine in a different way you know i so i I still remember being a child and having this desire to be abroad and but i also look at it through my kind of british eyes in a way Uh, yeah and can appreciate um its beauty and you know of course the food and how our families are etc you know it's um it's it's really interesting to have this duality uh in a way to to have these two different people sitting inside of you i don't know <laughs> how, how long have you been out, out of moldova do you feel similar 
Yeah, I left when I was 18. I studied, studied in Romania and then in Belgium and then came to the UK. I've been here for six years now. Mm-hmm. And I totally get what you mean. I sometimes feel like I don't belong anywhere because I kind of... So I yeah. had this time when I really wanted to leave and really wanted to explore and got these new cultures absorbing, uh, absorbing it. And uh, now I kind of have the opportunity and the luck to choose whatever I want. So I choose the good things from being Moldovan <laughs> and the good things from being from, you know, to another to other countries that I lived in. So it's kind of sometimes I feel like I don't belong to any country because I'm not fully adapted to any. When I go yeah. back to Moldova, I feel I kind of have a little bit of um, different mentality. But then when I'm here, I feel sometimes that I have Moldovan mentality. So it's kind of a weird place. But you get to pick what you like from both worlds, basically. Yeah, that's a very good way um, of looking at it. I, you know, I sometimes feel with my with with the with the languages, I feel almost I'm in in this kind of a weird purgatory almost because <laughs> I I think in English and I definitely can express myself about most things better in English even though it's not my first language I didn't speak it very well until I was you know 14 maybe I my English wasn't very good when I moved to Cyprus um, and and I, and I have an accent and etc but then also I'm not uh, so good in Russian and Ukrainian anymore so I'm just like sometimes feel uh, yeah it's, it's it's interesting to be uprooted and then you know lay new roots but also be kind of up in the air a bit with it all yeah ex- exactly being a bit of a nomad <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you find adapting to the UK by the way when you, you first came uh, yeah it was it was good. There were a couple, mainly actually, I I didn't have a very good time in high school in Cyprus. I don't think uh, I it's no one's fault. I think it's just it, that kind of teenage years. You know, some people love it and find that tribe, and it's all good. For me, it was a bit difficult. So when I went to university in England, I immediately. Uh, you know, found friends and people that were completely on my wavelength and I loved it. I just loved being a student in the UK and then also in Italy, uh, although with, not without hiccups. There were a couple of uh, things that are still I remember so vividly because I felt so embarrassed when it happened. So one of them was uh, queuing for a bus. I didn't. I <laughs> there was a really long queue to get on the bus and I think I don't know if it's our version to queues because of the Soviet Union or whatever I just didn't think that people would voluntarily want to queue in a free country <laughs> so, so I didn't even notice to be honest that it was a queue so I, I went straight for the front door and luckily that the, the guy a young man he was really nice he just went he like he explained it to me he was just like oh in the UK we kind of queue for buses so you know you have to go to the back of the queue and I was just like (gasps) (laughs) the back of the queue and of course I I queued for buses ever since then Um, and then there was another thing which was a a little bit um, uh, less pleasant Uh, it was the time still when you didn't book tickets online but you had to call the uh, you know the airlines and I remember phoning 
and um, and this woman uh, answered and she was like hello and I was like hello and I asked her about the plane and she was like oh this is not uh, you know an airline and uh, and I panicked I just went you know like like children do sometimes and I just panicked and I pressed Ooh, you know abort <laughs> I pressed the button and um, and I just sit there like oh my god why didn't I just say I'm sorry da, da, da. Mm. and then guess what she no but she phones back because <laughs> you know, had she had the number so she phoned back and she gave me a really long bollocking she was <laughs> like in this country if you you know if you phone up and da, 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 you don't put the phone down da, da, da. and I was like oh, okay okay sorry sorry <laughs> uh, and Aww. then I I told my friends and they were like, you should have told it to F off. I was like, no, no. But so, yeah, that was quite, a, that was quite a funny one. Um, but other than that, those are the two bright memories I have of, of kind of like cultural dissonance. Um, otherwise it's been really good. I found myself very much at home. I loved, uh, I love, uh, the, you know, the, the humor. I love um, self-deprecation. I think that Ukrainians can be quite self-deprecating in that way as well. Uh, and in that I found some kind of kinship, I think. And then, um, yeah, I've just made uh, tons of friends. And I don't know if, I mean, at work everyone was quite international. I guess in, in London as well, you have people from all over. I don't know if it's how reflective London is of the UK. Although to be honest with you, I've you know I've I've been to Liverpool many times, and as I say, I lived in the Midlands, and it's great. I love it. I, it's definitely you know home now as well as Ukraine. Um, but yes, as you say, still you're kind of like, am I British enough? Am I Ukrainian enough? I don't know. I totally get it. And I'll quickly tell you about uh, a little embarrassing story. And I have loads of them when I misunderstand <laughs> expressions. I, like I, I usually get it with words or expression. expression. So I was at um, an office job and a girl kept saying, oh, I have a headache, I have, I have a headache. So I just remembered she had a headache. And then later on, she comes to me and she says, I have a brainwave. And I didn't know what the, what the brainwave means. Yeah. So me trying to guess, I'm thinking, oh, she has a headache, brainwave, something with a headache. So I literally told her to just go home. But, <laughs> but she was so nice because she explained to me, that means I have an idea. <laughs> so imagine imagine come, someone coming to you and saying, I have an idea. Oh, go home. Ideas are not allowed in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I have loads of them, trust me. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's really sweet. I love but, that. <laughs> but it's so nice because I had really nice colleagues and they're just like having a laugh about it. And yeah. actually, oh, do we have time to tell you another one that you love? Yes, please, you'll laugh please. About? I'm loving this. I think you should do a <laughs> podcast just about these kind of stories. <laughs> so good. This one is actually the opposite and it will make you laugh because you know Russian as well. So basically I was trying to teach a few of my colleagues a few Russian words and uh, they're really enjoying it, but they weren't learning the alphabet yet because um, I just thought I'll, I'll just teach them easy, easy words that they, they can just use in, um, you know, every day, uh, like hello and stuff like that. So it was one of their uh, birthday and mm -hmm. the other colleague that was learning Russian with me and didn't know the alphabet went online and tried to write happy birthday. And she wrote on the card and passed, passed it on to me. Yeah. And I was going to like to write happy birthday again. And she actually wrote, uh, 
бесплатные онлайн игры or something oh. like that, like free online gaming, because she didn't press translate button. <laughs> oh no, so funny on the birthday card. <laughs> so lovely of you to teach your colleagues some Russian though. That's cool. Oh, it's it's such fun, no? It's such fun. And did yeah, but, her, did you tell her about the what it said? Yeah, we all yeah. had a laugh, but that, that's why I love it in here because you know you can all have a laugh about each other. And yeah. I definitely had more silly things that I said than than this incident. But it's it's nice because we explain to each other and then we have a laugh about it and then we keep reminding each other about it. So it's quite fun. Yeah, I like the humor in in here as well. But trust me, I've done so many like. <laughs> mistakes and things that I misunderstand and I also have a British boyfriend so he he keeps like laughing at what I say every day so it's kind of fun so I think I've, I've deviated a lot from uh, our conversation but it, I like it because we can have a nice uh, laugh together and actually saying that um, I read somewhere that you were living on green lanes and I lived on Green Lace as well. And I was thinking, oh, why didn't I miss Olya once he was there? Because I really want to meet you one day in person. You're just such a lovely, lovable person and friendly and down to earth. So it's oh, we really... Can still make it happen. We can, oh. we, we can go to Green Lanes together to Yasar Halim or something. <laughs> and have a coffee and some Turkish pastries. <laughs> that would oh, be great. Yeah, I, miss, sounds... I lived there for five years. It was such a wonderful place. Where yeah. about, whereabouts were you? Uh, so <laughs> I can't remember exactly the name of the street, but um, so it was. Uh, what was I mean, Green Lanes is so long, isn't it? I Such know it's so long. I I already forget the names of the streets because I haven't been living in London for a few years, for three or four years now. What but, about uh, now? Uh, well, in Surrey. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. That's yeah. not too far. You're not back in Moldova then. Ah, no, 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 but we've been living, um, well, we've been traveling for a year in the motorhome around Europe and we oh. came back in March. Oh my God, that's amazing. Did you have to cut your trip short or? Yeah, a, a month short, actually. We were in Spain when the pandemic started. That. Oh, that's okay. At least it was towards the end of the year. So um, that was okay. Uh, we yeah. just came back uh, a month earlier. I mean, nowadays it's just important to be safe and healthy, really. Yeah, of course. But yeah. um, it was a little bit stressful because we had a lot of police coming. It was super strict in Spain when we got basically trapped in there because uh, you weren't allowed allowed to be in nature. Oh, so wow. obviously we were in our home in nature and we were still not um, allowed. Oh, but yeah, they were super stressful. Sorry? That's, that sounds stressful. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I mean, it's part of, part of life thing. Uh, yeah, but we managed to get safely back and yeah, everything is fine. And no. the police was super friendly. It's just rules are rules, aren't they? Yeah, of course. That was our idea, actually, to go uh, from Ukraine in a motorhome, as you say, and travel through um, through Moldova. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not giving up hope. Hopefully next year or the year after we can still do it. And actually now I have you to ask for some advice. Yeah, definitely. To and, and to see, you know, it's so nice to be able to go into people's homes. Uh, we did that for, um, obviously for the for summer kitchens. Um, can I just quickly explain to our listeners what the what summer kitchens are? Of before course, I, I of course, going on about it. I don't know if you guys have a very, I suspect you have a very similar thing in Moldova. It's a uh, one room, 
little house, nothing glamorous, but this is where you uh, cook your daily meals in the summer because it gets so, so hot. And you also, uh, you know, do all of the kind of preservation, fermenting, jam making, etc. in September, uh, you know, all of the supplies that you need for winter because, well, Ukraine is still super seasonal and people eat, uh, you know, you don't have, I mean, you do now a bit more, I guess, tomatoes in winter and stuff, but we just call them glass tomatoes and they're not very much rated. So it's yeah. much better to have one out of a jar, I think, in winter. So yeah, that's what they are. Actually, do you guys have them in Moldova? Yeah, we have uh, a similar version. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, at least my grandparents uh, used to have um, a, an outside place where they would have uh, an oven and they would go there and, um, you know, bake bread and stuff like that. But uh, also pickling things, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> there is something similar, definitely. I mean, yeah. it will be very interesting when you will go to Moldova and we can compare traditions yeah. and... <laughs> Similar foods because I, I saw you you included plecinte Moldovan um, twisted uh, cheese what are they called in English yeah. I forgot already uh, I, I saw you included the Moldovan recipe for twisted rolls but we also have I guess a little bit of similar influences like I don't know stuffed cabbage leaves and things like that but we have have different things as well so I'm I'm super excited uh, after you'll go to Moldova to have a chat about uh, what did you find different and what did you find similar absolutely I wanted to ask you a question actually because I suspect that the way that my grandmother called those dishes wasn't entirely correct almost so for example placinda for for us were the flat um the, the flat stuffed flat breads that were stuffed with either cheese or you had the sweet pumpkin ones as well and what she called virtuta was the what what you guys i think called placinda yeah we we call it placinda it's it's that kind of like um the twisted one the twisted one yeah that that's yeah. what we called placinda yeah that's interesting and i don't know <laughs> call them virtuta and I don't know maybe it's the border thing you know things get slightly changed uh, at the borders I found when you know we we traveled around and uh, it's interesting how you get influences. But I think even in Moldova if you go to different regions they call it differently I think they they make flat ones in Moldova as well in certain regions and they call them placenta too but um, so I mean I, I should definitely discover more Moldova because, and that's another question that I wanted to ask you. When you did your research um, for your cookbooks, did you find a different type of Ukraine from what you remembered? Because um, I, I find that I don't know much about Moldova, as much as I should, maybe. And it, it would be nice actually going with the motorhome as well and explore it. And maybe we can just uh, meet at some point with the motorhomes in Moldova. But um, did you find a different <laughs> type of Ukraine? when you yeah. did the research yes absolutely so as exactly as you say um you know i was very used to uh my part of ukraine so Khersonshina in the south and we we traveled all around the south uh, you know obviously crimea we used to go in the summer when i was little and then my uh, mom and dad and my grandma lived in mikolaevshina in this uh, town called Voznesensk. Um, and Zaporizhia, we went to quite a lot, uh, and Kiev, but and Western Ukraine once when I was little, when I was 10, which was really an amazing experience because it was so, 
authentic. I don't like the word authentic, but you know, there was so much tradition there still, which we, we kind of, it was erased a little bit in the South, I felt. So when we traveled for the, for the book, you know, we did around 10,000 kilometers or so all over Ukraine with various drivers and fixes and, you know, bumpy roads and all that. And it was incredible. It, it really uh, opened my eyes and the diversity was staggering, uh, you know, culinary and, and, and uh, traditions and culture, etc. Um, there was in Bessarabia, there was a, vill- a Bulgarian vi- village, which, you know, was created by these Bulgarian set- settlers a couple of centuries ago. Uh, and uh, in uh, up north, we went to the Belarus border. And again, that was uh, different. And um, Poltava was uh, completely enchanting. And uh, again, even the language was, the, the accent was so different in Ukrainian. You know, I, I, sometimes I, I found it really hard to understand. Um, and Transcarpathia, the village that we went to, was uh, equidistant from uh, 30 kilometers away from Romania, from uh, Slovakia, and from Hungary. And you could see those influences from all three countries in the language and in the food and, uh, you know, it, 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 the music, everything. It was, um, it was the most fascinating thing. And I highly recommend to people to try and discover and travel more around their home country because we think that we know, but, but we don't. And there's always so much more to to discover and to learn. Oh, that's so beautiful. And it sounds like the process of doing research for your books is really, really interesting. And um, I want to get to talk more about your books, actually, because we've been having so so much fun until now, but I definitely (laughs) need to uh, include, not that I need to, but I want to include more about your books. And at this chapter, I actually asked a friend of mine. So I'll tell you quickly about her. She's from Moldova. And she lives in San, San Francisco and she worked at the two Michelin star uh, restaurant as a pastry chef. Mm-hmm. So basically she used to be very shy about saying that she's from Moldova and she mm. really got inspired by you. And she started uh, realizing that it's okay to be proud of who you are when you're from and basically inspired by your cookbooks and your, what you're doing in general. She started compiling and testing and improving uh, 80 recipes from Moldova of desserts because she's a pastry chef yeah and she's compiling it to write her own book and she's super super inspired by you so uh, she sent me some questions for you if that's okay can we of go course. through them no, that's so nice I love it of course perfect so the first one is what made you write a book and how did you get the idea of writing it and to basically become an author I changed career in in Korea in 2009, 2010, I guess I finished Leith. And to be honest with you, I, you know, I thought that I'd, my ultimate dream was maybe to work for a magazine and test recipes and maybe write some recipes in the, in the magazine. You know, I never really thought that I would have a book. I, com- completely, you know, that's a very honest thing. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to cook. I didn't care really what happened. Um, so actually, uh, I ended up working in the restaurant for a bit and then 
and then I had a surprise uh, pregnancy and I, I had my son, my older son, that was eight years ago now. And um, I took some time off. I stopped doing restaurant work, obviously. Um, it wasn't possible. And then I came back uh, to work when he was six months old and I started doing catering. And then uh, eventually I got a job as a recipe developer for the star startup uh, company called Recipe Kit. Um, and we had a lot of fun. It was a great um, endeavor. And I did it for a year. And then it, things didn't, didn't really work out and the company folded and I kind of lost my job. Um, and I remember that it was uh, February and I was already kind of, uh, you know, just me and my son. And I remember being quite depressed, actually. Uh, I, I thought that I had enough experience to start doing, um, uh, you know, uh, food styling. But mm -hmm. and I sent my I sent my CV to people off to people, but nobody wanted me. And uh, because you know I in their eyes I didn't have enough experience, which I think they were right. And I was just there alone. And in order to keep myself um, occupied and not to become depressed, because I had a very young son, uh, he was just a year and a half. Uh, I thought, oh, well, I need to make myself do stuff. So I started writing. Uh, down recipes. I was already mm -hmm. writing for The Guardian and they were really keen on my Eastern European, my mom's recipes essentially. And that kind of gave me a little pang of encouragement and I started jotting things down. I, there's still a, the, an Instagram post somewhere <laughs> in mm -hmm. the ether where I say, uh, you know, I'm doing this because I don't want to fall into depression. And then, I don't know if I believe in this thing where maybe you kind of attract you know, good things if you if you kind of start uh, thinking about them or, or wishing them to happen or something. I don't know. But um, an agent uh, got in contact with me and she said, I saw a couple of your recipes in The Guardian. It's very interesting. You know, your Ukrainian dishes, nobody's really doing this uh, uh, in this kind of modern, slightly modern way. Um, can you come and see me? And I went to see her and uh, she said, oh, you tick every... Uh, you know, all the boxes, but uh, you're not quite there yet with your profile. You have, I don't know, 500 followers and you need 50,000 or something. And uh, go away for a couple of years, come back to me, keep doing your thing, and then maybe something will happen. And then within the following two months, I, I kind of like, my heart sank and I was like, oh, we were so close. Uh, but I didn't stop. I uh, actually, I started emailing different uh, assistant photographers uh, people mm -hmm. that I love their work and actually and I said please can we do a test shoot uh, with you know I've got some Ukrainian dishes that I want to shoot and actually a few of them said no because they um, th thought oh Ukrainian food no thanks uh, and then uh, one of them Chris Kirkham said yes I mean in fact he was very enthusiastic um, he was amazing we shot these recipes and then uh, this other thing happened which was really weird I don't even use LinkedIn really but somebody contacted me uh, Rowena and she a Scottish uh, um, video maker and she wanted to become a photographer and she said can we do a test shoot uh, I, I will you know you you can make some food and I'll take photographs for my portfolio and I said yes in exchange if you could maybe film me and she filmed mm -hmm. me and then uh, and she filmed me make these uh, Georgian uh, uh, tabaka pusans actually 
and uh, and then she sent the video off to the Guardian video team who didn't know about that I had a couple of recipes published or anything like that but they said oh who's this woman and she explained and then they said please can you bring her in for a meeting and I did and then they kind of alerted the publisher and then basically within two months I called my agent who's still my agent and I say Ariella I know you said two years but things are happening <laughs> and she signed me up and uh, yeah and that month the following month there were three uh, uh, three publishers that wanted uh, my book and it was um, again still I'm still pinching myself it's uh, it's been quite a strange and beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, it, that sounds really amazing. I definitely think um, and believe about attracting things. And I also think that um, things fall into places and it kind of makes sense when you look back at your experience because you had journalism experience, you had cooking experience at the top of a restaurant with Otto Lenghi and so on. So it kind of made sense probably for you as well. I know at the time maybe... Um, it didn't seem like that, but um, sometimes when you look back, you think, oh, yeah, I had that experience from there. That helped me and yeah. that from here. And it kind like of, I guess, pieces of yeah, <laughs> it fell all into pieces. Yeah. Oh, I also have, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a particularly, uh, I don't know if I'm particularly mystical. I'm definitely spiritual, but I like to believe that, um, you know, my uh, my grandmother, Lucia, who cooked all of those Moldovan dishes, actually, she was the main uh, kind of matriarch. Uh, in our large family and she was you know very strong and also very kind and uh, she was just the most amazing cook and my aunt Eugenia who died um, just before I got the sorry oh, uh, just before I got the mamushka book deal um, in fact they are sorry in fact okay, both... take your time the picture of both of them is um, on Mamushka, and the book is dedicated to them. Oh, bless you. And I believe that, that they somehow, you know, uh, made the stars align for me or something. I don't know. I just have this feeling that they're looking after me in a way. Sorry. <laughs> I, I completely... No, it's okay. It's, honestly, do you know what? Okay, a few days ago... and Normally a little bit Sorry? more... Cool. <laughs> no, it's fine. So yeah, I, so um, I sometimes, um, I do believe actually uh, that maybe there are atoms or however else life um, exists after death or whatever, or some energy that they have released into this world, that it somehow has um, taken me into a swirl of uh, this kind of like energetic uh, positive hurricane of sorts and um, is helping me go on. I know exactly what you're saying and uh, honestly a few days ago I was just I burst into tears as well because um, all of my grandparents died when I was quite uh, little and um, my mom gave me this uh, handmade towel she she did it like she cross-stitched it herself such a long Mm -hmm. time ago and she gave it to me um, quite recently and I was just touching it and thinking like I lost my grandmother when I was so little but I feel it like she w- is with me and I know that she touched that towel and I just like ho- kept holding it and crying because I, I have exactly the same feelings that you just said about it and I feel that she's with me and she's guard- guarding on me and yeah, yeah to- totally get you <laughs> good absolutely yeah. 
And you know, somebody made this dish uh, yesterday and they posted it on Instagram um, and it, we called it noodly. I don't know if you guys make, again, I think it's from Bessarabia. Uh, it's, it, there, there's a German dish that's very similar that's called strudli. I'm sure that it has Germanic origins, yeah. but it's basically these fluffy, swirly dumplings that you kind of like put on top of a, a pork rib and potato stew and they um, made with a kefir dough. So they become really puffy. So you kind of, they get steamed on top and then they absorb all of the juices in the bottom. And it's just such a beautiful dish that we always cook together um, when we get, when at least when we used to get together with our extended family and stuff. And uh, yeah, and somebody made it yesterday and it still shocks me a little bit and makes me so happy. And, uh, you know, I wrote to them and I said, oh, thank you so much for making it. I wish that uh, Lusa saw this, she would be so proud. And, <laughs> and I think so surprised as well that um, um, that people are, maybe she wouldn't be surprised. She, she always thought that her cooking was pretty amazing to, you, <laughs> to be like, more, oh. more like uh, would look at it with approval and say like, oh yes, you know, this is very good. It looks amazing. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's a nice thing. It's um, uh, a way, of, like your towel, uh, your embroidery, and uh, and also recipes. They um, um, they keep us connected to yeah, exactly to our history. Exactly. I'll just uh, quickly throw, go through a few more questions and then I'll let you go because uh, I imagine you're such a busy person. I I just honestly feel so privilege to have time with you right now oh no it's such <laughs> a pleasure I just have a six-month-old that's my Aww. main <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll wrap up pretty quickly um just one more question from the questions that my friend sent who took the photographs because you have such amazing photographs and you already answered kind of the question for the first book and for the second I think I was um listening to a podcast where you're saying that you went with uh Elena is that right yeah. for yeah yeah, so you travel together? Yeah, it's Elena Heatherwick. She did my second book cookbook, and um, and the third one it was Elena again. She's uh, such an extraordinary uh, portraitist and well photographer in general, but her she just has this very special touch when it comes to photographing people and places and I really wanted her to do to do it. And I and I also um, had uh, my husband Joe. Woodhouse who came with us and he's also a photographer he's a food and travel photographer so he also took some pictures of landscapes and also all of the food uh, because also it was quite uh, you know practical for, for us to continue shooting when we came back here although some of the dishes were shot there but yeah so it was both of them actually so it was uh, the three of us the traveling circus just <laughs> driving around Ukraine and um, yeah, going into people's summer kitchens and bothering them about <laughs> old forgotten recipes and trying to take pictures of everything. Oh, next time it should definitely be easier in a motorhome. You just have all the stuff with you all the time. So that's great. Oh, uh, you know, we, me, just very quickly off subject, we did it with my husband. We went on a honeymoon. We went from, um, from LA to Vancouver all along yes. the coast. And it was just the most magical thing. That's my favorite way to travel, I think. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> and I'm glad that uh, you're on the, the same wave with me. And yes. I can't wait um, to stay in touch. And if you have any questions about Moldova, we'll, I'm just happily uh, <laughs> going to answer to all your questions. 
And uh, towards the end, I just want to ask you quickly. I mean, you've had so many nice reviews from all sorts of people in magazines. I don't know, Nigella Lawson. Uh, you had the Observer's Rise, Rising Star. New York Times, I think they did a profile recently on you, um, and so on and so on. You have um, a lot of nice accolades and nice reviews uh, from um, even like Fortnum, Fortnum and Mason and all these big names. Was there any particular one that kind of um, made you feel like, yes, I made it now, like I really made it? Or because you seem like a very approachable, down to earth person. So I imagine. For you, motivation is actually the love of cooking, not necessarily who was the most famous person to review you. <laughs> but I'm just curious to know if there was a, a certain point when, I, when you thought, wow, wow, I can't believe this happened and this person bought my book and they said this thing. And uh, You know what it was, actually. And it, there, uh, yes, there was a moment. And all of those, absolutely, oh my God, I am so grateful and... Of course, I mean, in a way, uh, when the Observer Rising Star situation happened, it was completely shocking. And and you know, I, I read the that paper and I've read it for so for so many years. So it was an amazing honor. Fortnum and Mason, all of those things. Nigella, of course. There was a really funny one though. Um, there was a my cousin uh, sent me that I was in a. Um, English textbook for so for Ukrainians who are learning English there was oh. you know how you have exercises and it had a text about me I think it had like <laughs> Hercules is a Ukrainian based chef da, 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 da. and then you had to do like an exercise basically and put the correct words <laughs> in <laughs> oh. that was like one of the biggest accolades I just thought <laughs> I definitely made it I'm in the in the thing you know in a textbook like that that was um, I thought that was really sweet and uh and it really is strange in a good way. But um, yeah, of course. And also, apart from uh, all of those accolades, it's just really lovely to hear from people and get messages and sometimes even letters. Um, I had a handwritten letter from Berlin once from a woman who said how much she loved the book. And then yeah. I had a lady from Australia who was in her 70s or 80s and she had Ukrainian roots. And she said that it was her first time um, using a laptop. And she sent me a picture and a letter saying how much she loved the book and that she sent it to her children across in the, you know, across Australia and stuff. So it's just little like yeah. bits like that. Um, so thank you to whoever does send me little messages, whether online or whatever. It's, it's, it encourages me to kind of want to do more and to write for you. And it's, um, it's the most magical and heartwarming and happiness inducing thing. Oh, that is so lovely to hear. And I wish you all the best and more inspiration to write even more. And I'm super happy we spoke today. And please expect a letter from me <laughs> because I'll be sending you the, pa the painting. So thank you um, again and good luck with everything. And honestly, I'm super proud of you and I really love talking to you. You're such a happy, bright person. And yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm too emotional right now to say anything else. <laughs> thank you, Neil. It was such a pleasure.
Oh, wish you all the best. See you on the road. <laughs> yes, yes. Come first. Hello, Bip Bip. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. See you later.